Thank you. 
We thank the choir for those selections. It is time now for us to receive what thus said the Lord from our pastor, Bishop H.M. Johnson, Jr. We're going to ask that you receive him with uplifted hands and a hearty amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. We do give honor to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And to Mother Johnson, Sister Pastor Scudder, Elder Williams, Elder Sister Scudder, and to all of our fine deacons. We thank the Lord for another day. It's a little warm in here. We thank the Lord for another day. He's allowed us to be yet in the land of the living, clothed in our right minds, a mind to serve him in the beauty of holiness. We thank the Lord for knowing who he is. We thank the Lord for the knowledge and for the mind that we have to accept who he is. We thank the Lord for all the songs and testimonies that's gone before his name this morning because truly his name is worthy to be praised. The word of God declares that neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You know, every time we talk about it being warm, I begin to think about hell. Uh, you can't say turn and fix the air condition in hell. Don't have any fans in hell. There's no water there. It's just your soul burning in hell if you haven't met the requirements of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ellis got us ready to go up there and fix that so we can get a little cooler in here. But you can't do that and there is no exit in hell. Once you're down there, that's it. So we thank the Lord for the mind he's given us to accept his word and his will. On Tuesday being um, uh, Independence Day, we want to talk this morning about independence. Um, I'm talking about spiritual independence. We want to be praying for the saints that are out of town. Thank the Lord for Elder, Elder Scudder getting back from the workshop. Now, Elder Scudder was telling me back that I heard him over the intercom telling you about the incident there at the Joy School. But he was telling me that the things that she was saying, she knew that he knew that things weren't right. Being a teacher himself, in the classroom when these fellas approach these young, young girls and want you to stay after school and help me do this, do that. He knew that something wasn't right there. He knew that something wasn't right. And but we thank the Lord for what, for keeping us under the blood. Mothers keeping your children under the blood, protecting them every day. Um, did I mention Dickon Mathis? Okay, he's not sick. He called me this morning and told me that he had a little problem in the house at home. And it's something he had to repair. And the Lord willing, he will try to be here this evening. And I was thinking about, uh, but Sister Faye called this morning and told us that Eric was in an automobile accident last night. 
And the reason I mention that because Eric is at the altar. And I keep telling him, I said, son, you don't know when or if you're going to ever get back home again when you leave out of there. And you need the Lord Jesus Christ as well as all of us. And the standing car hit him broadside. He didn't go to the hospital then because he didn't feel the need. But this morning, of course, he was sore and could hardly move and this type of thing. So Sister Faye and him took him to the hospital. That's where they are. And Brother Davenport, he's going to be going to China. <laughs> Came in and told me this morning he's going to be going to China and Australia, I believe it is. But I thought he was going to be like... Uh, Diggins Mathis, when he went overseas, he went overseas for a year or something. But I think Brother Davenport said he's only gone for 10 days. <laughs> so we thank the Lord for that. And, uh, of course, Sister, I tell him we'll be taking care of Sister Davenport, as always. So she'll be in good hands. And we thank the Lord for that. Um, Mother Johnson. Oh, after the service, too. Uh, uh, Sister Henderson wants us to bless her... Uh, Automobile. She asked me Friday, but she did the right thing. She brought it to my attention again. <laughs> I said, well, forget it. All right, mother, come on. Thank the Lord for young folk. Yesterday, we, they took me to Timbuktu. I've been saying Timbuktu all my life. I said, where are you, where are you going? You're going the way down there to Timbuktu someplace. So I finally found out where Timbuktu is. It's a seafood restaurant. So they took us down there and they have crab cakes with nothing but meat. Number of crab. You don't have any bread in it. It has so much. So I ate the salad and a, and a, and a french fry and I bought a rest home. Couldn't eat anymore. But I, I thank the Lord. They took me down there and took care of it. All right, honey, let's go. Blessed assurance.
much to praise him for. On Tuesday, we have what we call Independence Day. Now, I say what we call because independence uh, speaks of freedom. And we are not yet free. Now, I'm not on to this black stuff because I don't believe in that you're what, you're what the Lord made you but what I'm saying is uh, the declaration of independence was not for the black man in fact the writers of the some of the writers of the declaration of independence were slaveholders 
So, you know, don't get carried away where you got to have uh, fireworks and all this other stuff. Start thinking about your spiritual freedom. Uh, see, the Lord brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And uh, you know the song that Satan had me bound, but Jesus lifted me. So therefore we can sing glory, hallelujah. Now hallelujah is the highest praise man can give God. It's the highest praise, so hallelujah shouldn't be like good morning. Hallelujah should come from the inner man. From down on the inside. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. A lot of folk don't understand it. When people speak of Jesus as much as we do, or, or, or when we see the Lord moving on the saints of God and begin to quicken them, they don't understand or realize what has taken place. They're free. And the word of God declares that you whom he have quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. That scripture means you whom he have made alive, who used to be dead in trespasses and sins. See, you're born dead, dying. You're born dead spiritually, and you're dying physically every day because of Adam's transgression. And when Adam transgressed against the commandments of God, we had to have a way to reclaim, reclaim the freedom that God gave us. Now, freedom itself has a price. We want to go over to Corinthians this morning. First Corinthians, and we're going to also deal with Second Corinthians. And we want to talk about freedom. First Corinthians six, nineteen and twenty says, "What?" Question mark. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? I believe somebody was saying that folk didn't really, I don't know whether it was yesterday or what, but somebody said it didn't, somebody couldn't understand or realize uh, or, or, or couldn't imagine Jesus Christ being on the inside. Well, they don't know and realize that Jesus Christ is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not a it. It's not a thing. It's Jesus Christ. Amen. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was on earth, said, I, I, I will send you the comforter. I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you as an offering, but uh, I, I'm going to send you the comforter which is the Holy Ghost. 
And he said, I will walk in them. So the Lord Jesus Christ said here, know ye not that your temple, that your body is the temple or the dwelling place of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God. And ye are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And Peter, first Peter 15 reads this way. But as he which have called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who, without respect of persons, judges according to every man's work, Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed or purchased with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You are purchased, saints, with a price. You had a debt you could not pay. The Lord paid a debt he did not owe. And therefore, by him paying our debt for us, we can say like Paul in Romans 5 and 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And we know that justification is a judicial act of God in declaring the Son of Righteous on the grounds of the death, on the grounds of the belief of that sinner when he believed that Christ died and was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now, the price of freedom is never free. Freedom is never free. Uh, it's always bought with a price. Always maintained by struggle. See, we that have the Holy Ghost are constantly running for our lives. Satan have not given up on you because you have not yet put off this mortal and put on immortality. In other words, you have not been caught up in any rapture individually or of the church of God. You are still down here in Satan's kingdom. And I know it's Satan's kingdom because the Lord Jesus Christ when he gave the prayer for his apostles to pray. He said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. The Lord's kingdom is going to come. It is not here 
but it's to come. When the Lord Jesus Christ come back as King of kings and Lord of lords and set up his kingdom. But in the meantime, there are several kinds of freedom. We have a political freedom and there is religious freedom. And again, there is spiritual freedom. I said religious freedom because religion is not salvation. There are over 4,000 religions in the world, but one salvation. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. And salvation implies deliverance, soundness of mind. Peace with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what salvation is. Salvation is not going to church. Salvation is not singing in the choir. Salvation is not being an usher. Salvation is to be bought from under the power of Satan unto the power of God. Being filled with the Holy Ghost. There's only one way that's going to happen, and that's to be baptized in Jesus' name. Coming up out of the water, I said come up out of the water, out of it. That means being going down in it, walking in the newness of life. Whether the Lord Jesus Christ said, I'll remember your sins no more. I'll toss them into the sea of forgetfulness. Now that only happens when you're baptized again in Jesus' name. Father, Son, the Holy Ghost is not going to do that for you. Because the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost is not the name of Jesus. The Word of God tells you plainly to baptize them. And when the Lord Jesus Christ told his apostles to go out and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name, which is singular, of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Well, that lets me know that the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost have a name. Father, Son, the Holy Ghost are titles to the man Jesus. His name is Jesus Christ. That's who the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost is. God is the Father through creation. Jesus Christ is the Redeemer. And the Holy Ghost is the Keeper or the Sustainer. But in all in all, the name is Jesus. Now let's get it back, go back to this uh, uh, freedom, this political freedom. Now, if you think about Moses, he gave up the luxury of a palace when he left Egypt and went to the wilderness. He lived 40 years in the wilderness. He had all kinds of political power when he was in Egypt. Now, other Old Testament heroes also paid a price for freedom. If we look at Hebrews number 11, 35, it says, Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Now, you know what that scripture is saying? That they, women received their dead raised to life again, and said so others were tortured and ex not accepting deliverance. Now, in those days, mothers saw their children 
bash their heads bashed against the wall, being held, their babies held in the feet of their tormentors, and have their heads bashed against the wall. But all those mothers had to do was denounce the name of Jesus. But they refused to denounce the name of Jesus. And they saw their babies heads bashed up against walls. Oh, we're going to go into it a little further, a little bit more. Because I don't think folk really know what the early saints went through. Uh, we know that Jesus suffered for us. But the Word of God tells us that others had trial of cruel mockings and scourges. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. Listen, saints, they were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were, they were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Now, I'm going to read to you some of the uh, freedom that the early uh, church, uh, some of the things that the early church or uh, saints went through for religious freedom. Now, I'm reading to you from a book called Fox's Book of Martyrs. And when we get in the Bible class, I'll tell some of you where to get it and the name of it. But we know that Stephen, most of us know about Stephen, how he was taken out of the city and stoned to death. But it's something he looks up into heaven and saw Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of God. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, he didn't see two per people up there. The right hand of God denotes authority. And he cried out to God, but saying, Jesus, receive my spirit. See, God has always been there, but he came down here in the person of Jesus Christ because God had no spirit, to no, no blood to shed for us. And the word of God says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. God, being a spirit, had no blood to shed, so he wrapped himself up in the body of Jesus Christ and came down until he might die on the cross, that you and I might have a right to the tree of life. Now, then James the Great, he was beheaded. Now, Philip, he was scourged thrown into prison, and crucified. Matthew was slain with a halberd in the city of Nabada. James the Less, when he was 94, was beaten and stoned to death, and finally had his brains bashed out with a fuller's club. Matthias was stoned and then beheaded. Andrew was hung on a cross. Mark was dragged to pieces by the people of Alexandria. 
I'm talking about the early saints. We read about them, but very few of us know about the history of how they died. And Peter, we know that was crucified upside down. Paul gave his neck to the sword. We go to school and we Paul was in a Roman jail. Paul was beheaded for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jude was crucified. Bartholomew. He was crucified. Thomas was thrust to the side with a spear. Luke was hanged on an olive tree. Simon was crucified. And John was the only apostle that was not or did not suffer death in that manner. Now, let me go a little deeper. These, these are the, the apostles that we know of. But there were lay people also. In those days, their stomachs were actually open. And corn would be put in their intestines. And hogs and pigs would eat out of them. We had some that were tied up in uh, canvas bags with scorpions and snakes thrown overboard alive. Now all they had to do was announce the name of Jesus. But they held on to the name of Jesus so that they could have political freedom, I mean religious freedom. Some were put in coats of wax and, and were set on fire to light up the arenas. But they were dying for religious freedom. Now, but there's also a price for spiritual freedom. Now, when we talk about spiritual freedom, here's where Jesus comes in. See, you can only get spiritual freedom by the blood of Jesus Christ. While religious freedom is outward, spiritual freedom is inward. Uh, religious freedom is the right to follow the faith of your own choice. But uh, uh, spiritual freedom had to be paid for by Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something, people. You will never be free spiritually until you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Master. I mean by being baptized in his name by way of repentance 
and going down in the name of Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ told Nicodemus, people read it all the time. In John 3, let's read that. He tells you how to have spiritual freedom. And St. John 3 and 3. I don't care what anybody else say. People say, well, uh, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, that'll never get you saved. That will never get you saved. And folk come to the churches now and they have 15 and 18 and 20,000 members. Well, that's true. But that's what all they have. They don't have salvation there. Now, John 3 and 3, if you're a Bible student, that, that, that is the new birth chapter of John. And so there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Say, and uh, the same came to Jesus by night. I call him a night worshiper. And said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher. Come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. But what he didn't know was that he was talking to God. He was talking to God. And Jesus just answered and said to him, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, except or unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't even see it. They say, now, Nicodemus asked a logical question here. He said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus came right back and said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born, now he's telling him how to do it, of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. First he said, unless you're born again, you can't even see it. But he said, now unless you go down in Jesus' name, and being filled with the Holy Ghost, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. When we talking about born again, or the new birth, the necessity of the new birth grows out of the incapacity of the natural man to see or enter into the kingdom of God. Listen to this now, however gifted. I don't care how gifted you are or how much you think you know or what, who you think you are, you must be born again. It doesn't make a difference how moral you think you are or refined. The natural man is absolutely blind to spiritual truth and impotent or powerless to enter the kingdom. For he can neither obey, understand, nor please God. The new birth is not a reformation of the old nature, but a creative act of the Holy Ghost. See, you've got to be born again to be free. As long as you are like you are, without being free, Satan is still your master. You still belong to him until you are filled with Jesus Christ. Now, 
The Lord Jesus Christ tells us in the word of God that Jesus endured the cross, despised the shame that we might be free. Now, the price that the Lord Jesus Christ paid, we all know about Easter. How he suffered and died during what we know as Passion Week. That's leading up to the crucifixion. But the Lord Jesus Christ knew the end from the beginning. He said, I'm Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. The Lord knew from the very moment before he made you that he was going to have to suffer the way that he did. But he did it anyway because of the love he had for us. Most people don't realize that we have two natures. That we're a natural man and a spiritual man. When you heard me say a few minutes ago, you were born dead dying. You are born dead spiritually and you're dying physically every day. You see, I always like to say, I didn't come into this world wearing glasses. And I certainly wasn't gray when I came in. And I had a whole head of hair when I was a young man. But the death angel is creeping up on all of us day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment. We're born dead, but the Lord Jesus Christ said, I am come that you might have life. And that you might have it more abundant. The Lord is not talking about a, a good time, a good life. He's talking about eternal life. Because anytime the word of God speaks of life, it's talking about eternal life. In other words, that's the only way that you're going to be delivered from hell. There's only two ways and two places. Two ways to leave here in Christ or out. Save the lost. And two places for you to wind up with Jesus Christ in paradise or with Satan in the pit. The choice is yours. The word of God says there's a time to be born and a time to die. Therefore, there's an interval in between. An interval between the time that you're born and the time that you die. The Lord gave you that interval in between to make some preparations to go back with him when he comes. He didn't give you that time to have a good time, people. He gave you that time to be ready for him when he comes. When he said, I go to prepare a place for you, he's not talking about the world. He's not talking to the church. Because he told the church how to be saved. You see, he's not talking to the world. He's talking to those of you that want to go back with him. You hear that funerals, oh, I go to prepare a place for you, and folks start crying. And can't. Well, they got a reason to cry if they're not with the Lord. Because they're hellbound. They're hellbound. And hell is real. It's a real place. It's not a myth. It's down there. You don't have to take my word for it. Just look at Luke 16 sometime and read it. And you'll see that hell is a real place. I said there's two ways and two places. Now the choice is yours. Where do you want to wind up? Where do you want to wind up? The Lord has given us this interval in between to make a decision. That's your choice. You see, a preacher cannot make that choice for you. No preacher can save you either. 
You see, you have to make that decision for yourself. Because the word of God says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now let me read something else to you in Romans 10 here. Because see, a lot of folk are being deceived by preachers that tell you this. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Well, that's not for the church. This was for unbelieving Jews that would not accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. If we were to look at the very first verse in that 10th chapter of Romans, have these words. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. That's who that scripture is for. The nation Israel is not for the church today of the Lord Jesus Christ. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. And then the writer goes on to say these words. For Christ is the end of the law. For righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth these things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Then he goes on saying, now, that if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So what I'm saying to you, when folk preach to you and tell you, say that all you got to do is believe that and come on, they're leaving out the main ingredients. They're not telling you who this is being written to. The word of God says it came unto his own, his own received him not. But to as many as received them, to them gave he power become the sons of God. You got to be born again to become free. You're not free. You don't have independence until Jesus comes in. I don't care what you possess kind of job you have, kind of house you have, what your bank account is, or how well you think you're doing. You don't have nothing if you don't have Jesus. I don't care what church you go to. 
what you do in it, how much money you put in it, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you're still going to hell. People don't like to hear that, going to hell. Well, what do you think the church is for? Church is not, it's not a social club. The church is an establishment the Lord put down here for you to be saved. The true church of the Lord Jesus Christ is an organism because it's a living thing. Then there are other churches that profess to be Jesus Christ that are organizations that come by man. Now whose report are you going to believe? The Lord Jesus Christ? All these preachers that's going to tell you that all you got to do is believe in your heart. Come on and join the crowd. Just follow the crowd. Well, again, let's go on over to Matthew 7. Then we're going to end this thing here. I heard somebody say somebody got 18,000 members. Well, but they don't have 18,000 saints. They don't have 18,000 saints. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. I want you to take notice of something, people. I'm trying to tell you something for your souls. And it reads this way, the two ways. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to, what is it? Destruction. And many there be which go in. But because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Now, I want you to keep those two words in mind, many and few. And then we want you to go over to the book of Revelations, chapter number 20, verse number 11. And it reads, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose faith, face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. In the word of God, so we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And the books, I want you to take notice, there is an S on that. And the books were opened, and another book, singular, was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Now, second death is eternal separation from God, people. That's what the second death is. You, you're going to leave here regardless what you do. But you don't want to be separated from God eternally. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written, watch the wording, whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. 
Now let me explain the book in the books for you. In Matthew 7, for those folks that keep following the crowd, they say that there's a broad way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. They're going to wind up in the books of damnation, but because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and a few there be that find it. In other words, just a few is going to wind up in the book. The Lord Jesus Christ did not need a set of books for the saved or for the few, for those that's just going to make it in. But for the, the unsaved, going to wind up in the books, which leads unto hell. And if your name is not found written, in other words, when the Lord Jesus Christ opened up the book of life, if your name is not already in it, you're going straight to hell. The word written means your name has got to be there when he opened the book. You can't cop a priest and say, Lord, I didn't know. He's just going to look and see if your name is in it. But if you're going to find, if you're trying to find your name through going out through the broad way, you better look in the books. That's where your name is going to be. Not in the book. I'm so glad I have spiritual freedom this morning. With my name in the Lamb's book of life. That's Jesus' book of life. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. See the church? If we were to preach anything other than Jesus Christ, and we were to let people come in here and do anything they wanted to do, dress any way, say anything, go anywhere, and do anything, this church has been crowded a long time ago. But I refuse to compromise, whether it be for a congregation or anything else. I know enough of the Word of God to get on the air and, and offer you something I can't give you. But I know the Word of God says, so you've got to be born again. It doesn't take much to fill up a church. People come to church all the time. But when they find out that you, you expect the life from them, they keep on going. But if we were to say, just come on and bring the money, sell a few chicken dinners, have some bus trips, have some cleaners, they love that. But the word of God tells you, for by grace are you saved through faith. That now of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. When a child of God works in the church, he's working around the altar. Turn with the sinkers. Turn with them. That's your work. The Lord Jesus Christ never made a, a chicken for you to make money of. Them. Nor did he make, put fish in the sea for you to catch and to sell. Now, you've got to remember that the word of God is true. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when the Lord Jesus Christ came into the temple, and they were selling and exchanging money, he kicked over the tables. And he said, you have made my father's house a den of thieves or a place of merchandise. So if it was wrong then, it's wrong now. So what makes you think you can come in here now 
and, and sell chicken dinners and food. And Nothing is ever sold in this place. Never have. Because we're going by the word of God. You can't take some of it and do what you want with the rest of it. You got to take all of the word of God. If you want spiritual freedom, you got to live by the word of God. You got to live by this thing. You can't go on profess holiness and don't possess Jesus. Because the word of God tells us there are many that's professing that don't possess anything. Have the form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Folks don't want to live right. But until that time when something happened, Lord help. When you're on your sick bed, I've never heard anybody say, help me, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Take too long. Help me, Jesus. Lord, help. And your time is coming. You're going to leave here. One day the death angel is going to knock on your door. You've seen him knock on so many people's doors. So, oh, it's a sad thing. But he's going to knock on your door too. And you've got to be ready when he comes. You need to make up your mind to get complete freedom from Satan. The word of God tells us that he's brought us from under the power of Satan into the power of God. Most importantly, he brought us now us to pass from death unto life. He'd allow that. Jesus Christ, talking about freedom. I got freedom that I never had before until I got saved. Amen. Walking around with an attitude. That's right. Now I don't hate anybody. I may hate your ways, but I don't hate you. Because I know there's Satan in you, making you act the way you act. I don't hate you. I can just look right through you and see Satan walking up and down in you. I can see your attitude. The expressions change. Still, we call ourselves saints. Amen. The church of the Lord, living Jesus Christ, should be a family structure. The members ought to be one. When you hurt, I hurt. When you're lonely, I'm lonely. Amen. When you don't have, then I supply. Amen. That's the way it ought to be. You take care of your sisters and your brothers. But no... Too many folk are selfish and saying they're in the Lord Jesus Christ. But you're not in the Lord Jesus Christ like that. I got mine, you got yours again. No, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. The Lord Jesus Christ owns it all. Amen. I'm going to say this and I'm going to close. We have so much freedom here that I can say this. I can stand in this pulpit and say for 25 years, we've never sold anything. We've never had a pledge. We've never had a rally. We've never had an assessment. Never. And you don't hear us asking for, we, we, need, we, 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 we need some more money. We don't do that here. We take what the folk give. We built this church right here. Never had a building drive. Never building fund. Never a rally. Saints paid their tithe from the office, and the Lord put us right on in here. And we don't have 10,000 members. But we do have a hundred and some saints. 
That's the difference. We have saved folk here. Amen. Everybody that's saying they're in the church is not saved. Everybody's saying they're saved now. Satan have everybody saying they're saved. But one thing about it, when you can say I'm saved, you need to say I'm saved and sanctified. Not just saved, I'm saved and sanctified. I'm saved and set aside for the service of God. That's what sanctification is. Use me, Lord. I'm yours, Lord. When y'all sing a song, say everything I am, everything I'm not, I'm yours, Lord. I'm his because I'm free. I wish I knew some of them songs. I'm free, thank the Lord, I'm free. Y'all know them songs, don't you? I'm yours, Lord. Sing me, sing me some of that. We're going to have altar call right there. I'm only right.